Hi, I'm Susan Smith, and uh, I've been a member of the congregation for over 25 years. I first uh, came to this congregation when we used to meet in Shreve, over across from Shreve City in what's the video store now. Um, and uh, I was kind of lucky. I came there at a time when we had no minister. I know that um, hearing that Lynn will be leaving soon, some people are probably in a panic. What do you do without a minister? Uh, it was a really creative time. And I don't think I would be a minister today if we hadn't had that kind of fallow time in which I, you know, people were called upon to do things that they had never done before. I came there and I met my husband Robert there at coffee hour and, uh, and was part of all the big hoopla to decide to come over here. There were no more people in that congregation today than there are in this room now who decided to undertake this huge task to move out here and build this glorious building. And not to build it in little stages. You know, there was a big talk. We could have just built the, uh, the, the RE wing. We could have built a larger social hall in the RE wing and met in the social hall. But we said, no, you know, the faith is so important to us. We really just have to go for the glory. How many of you who are here right now were with us out there? Look around. There are a lot. There are a lot. But some are gone. We know that. I remember that when I was secretary here, Maureen Grimes would come and handle those beds out there in the front, and she planted every one of those flowers and those little trees, which are large now and were just tiny sticks in the ground when she put them out there. And and we planted many trees, memorial trees, and watered them with spoons at the big dedication service for this and re-signed the book. And I was married to my husband here, right there. And I was ordained as a Unitarian Universalist minister, right there. And I miss my friends. And I look around at the room and I see that the room is either half empty or half full. We have to figure out which one that is. Alfred Cantwell Smith, who is a religious phenomenologist, that is, he studied religion itself, not particular tenets, but the life of religious people, said that our religious lives are like a triangle. You and I, we have things that motivate us things in which we believe, the things for which we get up in the morning, the things that help us know what is right to do with ourselves, what inspires us, transcendent centers of value and power. Not the little things that the world wants us to value, but the very big things that we cannot actually show. Let us say that you came here in honor of love. Well, I can't show you love. I can't drag it out here. But I can sing a song about love, and we can have a ritual about love, and a holiday. And so one of the reasons that I know that this is a transcendent thing that I serve, that we serve, is that I can show it to you. So he said that the person with this center of value and power goes looking for the congregation that also serves it and comes together. Now, I don't know if you know what a district executive is. Probably not. 
I was inspired to become the district executive when I was working here, and our then district executive, Dwight Brown, came to work with us on governance. The church had gotten too big to run the way it had been running, and we had to really change our ways. And I can tell you that there's nothing a church likes worse than changing its ways. And so Dwight came, and I was so inspired by Dwight that really, honestly, as I was thinking of becoming a minister, I was thinking of becoming a district executive. And so I serve 81 congregations here in the four-state area, and also Springfield, Missouri, and Memphis, Tennessee, and the Republic of Mexico. And all of those serve that transcendent thing that we serve, and each one serves it differently. Now, I've been on the road 11 weekends in a row. You don't see me very often. <laughs> and when I do come, I come at the last moment and sit in the back. Or that is to say, I sit where I used to sit before Hank Storb moved where he used to sit. Because <laughs> the Stowers and the Peases and I, we used to sit right about there at all the meetings that we had to figure out what to do here. And I remember one day Hank turning to me and saying, you know, nobody ever said democracy was a labor-saving device. <laughs> When I go around to all these congregations, and a lot of them are just like you are, I've done a lot of startups for new ministers. I've done startups for new interim ministers this year. I've done startups for part-time ministers. I've been to congregations where the ministers have been on sabbatical and coming back in the last 11 weeks. And I've been in many of them where they are in some kind of conflict. Because the dirty truth about the church that a lot of people who wouldn't be caught dead in one know is that we spend all of our time right here between the individual and their relationship to the congregation, and so often we forget to make reference to that which has brought us together. And so I find people who are just grappling, grappling, grappling down here, arguing, fighting, slapping. I got a call. Somebody slapped someone in a church last week. You wouldn't believe it. I go to a church. They want me to help them make rules such as you will not bring guns into the sanctuary. <laughs> well, those people have completely forgotten what they're there for. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. They've gotten so deeply involved in the it's all about me thing that they literally think it's all about them. And let me just tell you, it's not all about you. It cannot be. This great edifice was built for something more than the cult of the individual or our petty differences. It was built to get us to look up. Look up. You see it? It was built so there would be no barrier between us and the up. Mr. Emerson said, we are to approach the divine without mediator or veil. And in Unitarian Universalist churches, that is our mission. And the minister is not to have to call us back into some onerous trial. We are not the schoolmarms here. We are the arrow saying, oh, let us look up. And a lot of the church has been about this. But let us talk about this congregation related to this. I remember 
when AIDS devastated this city, and I lost 50 of my friends to AIDS. And this congregation was right there in the forefront of trying to help those people. You wouldn't believe it today. I wrote the first grant for the Red Cross here to try to get some training money just to train people because we just weren't going to talk about that. There just were not going to be classes about safe sex for anybody, much less persons with same-sex partners. That We were not going to do that in Shreveport. It was not going to happen, and it didn't matter how many people died. And this church, we had food drives, and we cared for so many people. And so many people at the end of their lives came to this congregation because they would not be shamed. And even my best friend, who was a Southern Baptist, had his memorial service right here because his family didn't want to take him where he would be shamed. And out of that, we got interested in gay rights, and we formed a gay pride chapter. We called it Gay Law, G-A-Y-L-A, see, cute. The first meeting was at mine and Robert's house. And uh, people came, and at that very first meeting, they were all afraid. We did a check-in, and it was like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Two meetings later, they wanted to put ads in the paper <laughs> saying Walt Whitman was gay. We had big events downtown, and we, uh, and we raised money, and we did run ads. And I remember one Saturday morning, we lived in a two-story apartment with one phone. Back then, you didn't carry your phone with you. It was attached to the wall. The phone started ringing on Saturday morning, and a lot of you know Robert's a musician, so we had been sleeping in. I dashed downstairs, snapped up the phone. They said, is this Susan Smith? I said, yes, it is. They said, do you believe in homosexuals? Because, of course, Robert and I had put our name in as the contact person because we didn't think anybody should be outed to be part of this group. And I said, believe in them. I've seen them. Goodness. And I've got a clipping somewhere where we were honored. And, of course, many, many of us worked to bring the largest display of the AIDS memorial quilt that had been, at that time, in the state of Louisiana to the Bossier Civic Center. And that was a huge event. And we changed so many hearts and minds there. And we ran the financing through the church because we didn't want to get a 501c3 for that gathering there. I remember when we all got involved in young women's concerns here in the city, and I don't know why, but I distinctly remember being at a middle school and talking to these girls about, uh, yeah, it's you who got me into it, I don't know why you're, um, uh, so um, we went to a middle school and we talked to these really young girls about handling their money and about uh, jobs and, uh, you know, and about everything that they could be. And out of that, I think we started reading places. I remember Robert reading um, the Gnome book, that beautiful illustrated book about the gnomes, and the little kid wrote him a note. We still have it that says, next time bring a gnome. So we really got out in the city and we did things, and it was at that time that we got interested in the uh, celebration of Women's Week. And I know that's been a project of the Y all along, but I really think if we had not been so much in support of it and done so many things during the week and had the celebrations here, that it would not have become the big event that it was. And then there came a time when a drug deal went really bad just a little bit away from here. And a white woman shot a black man in a parking lot. 
and all hell broke loose and a big burning and the whole city was wild, wild about the racism and we were divided and we have always been divided. Honey, I used to come down here from Texarkana when I was a little kid and there was a colored and white water fountains there in front of the courthouse. We have always been divided. But this was really, really bad. And some of us were called by the mayor to go down and form the, the Black-White Dialogue Task Force, Communications Task Force, the Black-White Communications Task Force. And I remember the time that we met uh, in, the, in the basement of an African-American congregation. A bunch of us went there. Uh, Joe was there. And people, and we talked about, the question was, what does our city need? And man, we were so far apart between us and our bourgeois lives and what those people in this African-American congregation knew about the needs of the city. And it really woke us up, a lot of us. You know, people were talking about health care and, and uh, need for bus transportation and all kinds of things. All sorts of things. And we learned a lot and we worked on a lot of projects. And I think we did some good work to try to get the city back together then. And then amazingly, that very woman came here for our Yom Kippur service and put her card in there. I killed someone. And we forgave her. Oh, the things that we have done. The really amazing things that we have done when we have known the things that we were serving. Now, the world wants you to be very worried about your money because they want it. They want you to believe that you don't look right, you don't smell right. You are not tall enough, you are not shapely enough, you are not thin enough. Your car is not fast enough, it is not shiny enough. Your phone is not modern enough, your MP3 player does not have sufficient gigs. There is an entire culture in this country now, driven by advertising and media, which is designed to do nothing but steal your happiness away from you and then sell it back to you. I can help you with that problem. That hair you got, I can help you with that hair. I can help you with your body. I can help you live forever. I can make sure that people admire you because you've got the shiny one, the fast one. That is not what the church is about when it asks for your commitment. When the church asks for your commitment, and particularly our church, we're not telling you something bad's going to happen to you if you don't give to the church. And we're not telling you anybody here is going to think less of you depending on what you can give to the church. I was a member of this church the last time we had a big foreclosure rally here, and I lost my house. And there were people then who stopped coming to the church because they thought that 
People had only liked them because they were big givers, but that was not true. And many of them came back. And I hope we never have that moment again, even though in the paper every day we see foreclosures now. And so it is not a matter of your share. I don't know what the budget is this year, what we're hoping for. A goodly amount, I would guess. I know what we owe on this building. But that is not the point. And neither is this a service fee. So, you know, we would love if you'd give as much as your cable and internet bill. Maybe less than your car note. But that's not what this is about either. This is really about almost exactly what the Bible says. To look at what you've got and to say to yourself, what percentage goes toward the transcendent things? What percentage goes toward the transcendent things? Robert and I are raising our pledge by 25% this year because it just feels good. It feels good to be back here and see this beautiful place. And, and I do want to tell you that this area back here, this distressed ditch, which is what they called it when we bought it. It's the Joe Minx Memorial Earth Day Trail for our dear friend Joe Minx, who was killed with his dog. So there is a great deal here to preserve, but honestly, it is not the preserving that we are giving to. It is the moving forward. It is the looking up. And yes, we have done many great things, but I'll tell you, when Robert and I came back after 15 years of being gone, I looked at him and I said, boy, some of these people are getting old. Because there's nothing like going home to contextualize your own age. Your own age slips up on you, but when you see other people, oh my. And I said to him, do you suppose these young people all these fine young people sitting around here with their fine families and these fine single young people, do you suppose they think we're old fuddy-duddies who are holding back the church? This church was founded in the same year that I was born. I didn't make this church. I was here when this one was built, but this is not the church. The church is higher than this ground that we sit on. And it is for you to make and for you to decide. There is many a congregation where your commitment goes toward these things on the ground. If you would wish for this congregation's funds to go to those higher things, you only have to participate. You only have to say, let's do this. You only have to cast a vision. Go do a project and see who comes along with you. And that is a wondrous thing. And so, in fact, our church is handmade. And we have new and young hands. And we have growing up in our congregation hands. And we are so privileged, those of us who have been around a long while, 
sold our souls to the devil and have some money to give back, to try to get that back. I can't say how pleased I am to uh, have been invited to speak to you on this occasion. Now, I want to ask you, do you have your forms, some of you? Who has their forms? Hold them up. Very good. My girls are doing their first pledges this year. And did you fill them out before you came? I'm going to give you a moment to think. We had an interesting moment today. Um, The girls had said what they figured that they should give by the week. And then when they started to write that check for the collection plate, they thought, well, that didn't seem like very much. And it's true, you know. I want you to think about those higher things. Are you here because you're dedicated to peace? Are you here because you're dedicated to liberty? Are you here because you must know more about what is true and beautiful tomorrow than you know today? Are you here for love? Are we ready now? Yes. Claudia is going to come forward our president of our congregation, and receive the commitment forms. Today we plant seeds, and tomorrow we will smell flowers, and generations to come will eat fruit. <laughs> 